John Skillman, and this is the Sober Dad Podcast, where we talk about raising kids and not glasses. Hey, and welcome to the Sober Dad Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about ego and how to deflate your ego using humility. How many times have you heard that you need to drop the ego in order to get or stay sober? How has ego affected other aspects in your life? Why did I continue to fight with someone when I was clearly wrong? Why do I get mad at my kids when they disobey or defy me or do something that I told them not to do? This is ego, and it's a big driver of people's behavior and actions. How many times have you told a lie to save face? Why did you do that? Have you ever not been honest with someone to spare their feelings? Was it really about their feelings, or was it not to change the way they feel about you? What about lying to yourself? Ego is a sense of self-esteem or self-importance. The desire to control how people view you is the ego. My ego prevented me from getting sober for years. I did not want people to know I was an alcoholic. I didn't want to admit it to myself. Of course, near the end of my drinking, the only person who didn't think I had a problem was me. I was protecting my ego, and I didn't want anyone else to see me for what I really am. In order for me to get sober, I had to take a blow to my ego. I had to humble myself so I could admit I was powerless over alcohol. I had to shatter that perception of myself, that facade that I put on, that... I was Mr. Perfect, and everything was okay. I had to humble myself by telling someone the truth about me. Ego is like armor that you wear to protect your image of yourself and how other people perceive you. Humility is the opposite of ego. The weight of my ego kept me down. When I was able to drop it, I could get up and move forward. So in summary, you have to shed the ego, because it's very heavy. And the work doesn't just end when you get sober. And it doesn't just apply to getting sober. Part of my program now is to humble myself so my ego doesn't take control again. And fortunately for me... I have four little humility bombs running around my house. You know, nothing checks your ego like a three-year-old looking you straight in the eyes and saying, I do what I want. So my kids constantly remind me that I'm not the sh**. Humility has also helped me in my married life. My ego used to get me into arguments or keep arguments going with my wife. Now, if we disagree, it's more civil and much shorter because I'm not trying to protect my ego. Life is far less messy when you're not trying to pretend to be something you're not. 
one place that I've been seeing ego rear its ugly head lately is in the recovery community. On Twitter, people will post that they're having issues or that they've struggled or with, had a relapse. And sometimes someone will comment and basically tell them that their way is the wrong way and that they need to do AA or, you know, pick your preferred recovery method. But the people commenting are basically saying that their way is the right way and that's the way you have to do it. And that's not true in recovery. There are many, many ways and methods to maintain sobriety and no one's way is the right way that's the ego talking that is someone saying that they know how to stay sober better than you do yeah sure they might have some time under their belt and you might have relapsed but they're not you so what worked for them might not work for you, but it might. I mean, millions of people are maintaining sobriety in AA, but even more people are struggling and relapsing and have quit AA or come in and out of the rooms constantly. Same thing for same thing for smart recovery and all those other 12-step programs. The point is that there are many ways to get sober, and the people that are telling other people that their way is the only way or the only right way, those people are talking out of ego. They have forgotten how to stay humble and humble themselves, and now they think that they can tell other people how sobriety works, and... Yeah, I can admit that being sober is a good feeling, a rewarding feeling. But when you start affecting other people's sobriety with your own shit, you're going to drive people away. You're going to lose people. People are going to give up because they're going to, you know, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get sober? I know I felt that before when I was trying it on my own. And yeah, AA works for me. I like AA, but I'm not so naive to think that it's the only thing that's going to get people sober because that's just not true. And there's plenty of data and people to back that up. It's very hard to lift someone else back up if you are weighed down by this gigantic ego. So we all started sobriety in the same way. You have to admit to yourself that you're no longer in control and you can't control whatever substance it is. And the act of doing that is humbling yourself to know that you are not in control. You can't control it. But once you take that initial step, once you initially admit to yourself that you can't control it, what you do from there is up to you. What you do from there is your own journey. No one can pick it for you. 
No one can tell you what's going to work for you except for you. The only thing that you need is a willingness to be sober, a willingness to try every day to not drink or use or whatever your addiction is. And don't let some on Twitter or any other thing tell you how to do that. Sure, you can ask for help. They can offer help. But when they just start telling you that you're doing it wrong, that's their thing. That's on them. And the best thing to do is say thank you and move on from that. Because it's a waste of time to argue with someone who claims to be the king of sobriety and have all the answers. So, in summary, you gotta kill the ego. And in order to do that, you gotta get humble. You gotta humble yourself. You gotta stay humble. And if you need help staying humble, you know, try going on a shopping trip with little children. Because that'll humble you real quick. I remember my daughter, my oldest, she was about two at the time. And I was at a store going up and down the aisles. And there was a gentleman there who had a very large mole on his face. And whatever stage she was in at the time, she was obsessed with freckles and moles and blemishes of any kind on people's bodies. She used to pick at, I have a mole on my forearm and she used to like, as a comfort thing, she would try to like pick at it or pull at it and stuff. And I'd continue to tell her to stop. But anyway, we're in the store and we pass this guy with this gigantic mole on his face and her eyes get super wide. And I knew exactly what she was looking at. And I was just like, no, 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 no. And she went, Daddy. And I said, not now. Daddy. Not now, Alice. Daddy. That man has a mole on his face. And she's saying this loud enough for him to hear. And I was like, that's nice, honey. And she's like, he has a biggie mole on his face. And I was horrified. I turned around and I apologized to the gentleman. But... It was very awkward. So, if you need to get humble, you know, use your kids. And if you don't have kids, if you have nieces or nephews, just try going on a shopping trip with them and try to see if they don't embarrass you a few times. And it'll it'll fix that real quick. All right, I'm going to move on to our next little segment here. I'm going to start trying to do this thing every week where we check out some news in the recovery world and see where it goes. I'll try to not be all doom and gloom, but of the articles I was reading this week, this one kind of stuck out at me and it's not the the greatest as far as positivity goes or anything, but it's important and I think that everyone can take a lesson from that if you're new to sobriety or thinking about getting sober and considering sober living or uh, recovery inpatient treatments. So this article is out of KVOA in Tucson, Arizona, and I will put a link in the show notes. 
So it says Arizona suspends over 200 sober living facilities in Arizona for scamming people. It's a bit of a repetitive title, but uh, if you didn't catch that, it's in Arizona. So it says Tucson KVOA. The city of Tucson has many reputable sober living facilities, but on Monday, the state suspended over 200 facilities in Arizona that were scamming people who needed help the most. It's being called one of the biggest scandals in history of the state of Arizona. Fake rehab facilities promising treatment and delivering nothing, all at the taxpayer's expense. Dot Karen has been helping to rehabilitate people for over 40 years, so when the news broke about the facilities defrauding clients and the public, it made her angry because it was always the people who are the most vulnerable that get targeted by some of these unscrupulous types, she said. Millions of dollars have been spent on these fraudulent organizations that aren't really helping people. Since March, they've had three of their clients tell them about being approached by people promising them food, shelter, and clothing to attend a living facility, only to find there's drugs, alcohol, little food, and no programs to help them deal with their issues. David Lex is the CEO. He immediately contacted Arizona Office of Inspector General. I contacted the police non-emergency line. I called Adult Protective Services. I'd say they were the most responsive. I found an FBI tip from this particular investigation into human trafficking, said Lex. Shannon Harris also works at DK Advocated and has worked with some of the women who have been approved by sober living homes. She's outraged over the fraud that's being committed. It's very, very upsetting. It makes the rest of us legitimate behavioral health organizations look bad. And not only that, but these people are preying on these vulnerable people that actually need help. So that's the article. It doesn't go too in-depth on any like details. But yeah, I've heard about this before. I think there was a big bust in Florida some years ago. And it's important to, I guess, to do your research if you're considering going to a rehab or a sober living facility. When you call them, I would recommend asking for testimonials. And I know that those can be made up, but maybe getting in contact with someone else that has gone to one of these facilities or just finding out more information before you go. Cause it just sounds like these were kind of a, a mill where they just bring you in, not fix anything, not help you kick you back out with the hopes of getting you back in. So just do your research and find the best fit for you. And the best thing you could do is to, yeah, like I said, find someone who's been to these places and ask their honest opinion of, what to expect there. I mean, personally, full disclosure, I did not go to rehab. I was not in a position where that was possible, nor do I personally think that I needed it. My withdrawals weren't that bad. I just needed to change my mindset. And like I said before, to humble myself 
and to just do the work that I wasn't willing to do before. So to wrap things up here, I just wanted to thank you guys for all the listens thus far. I've been watching the numbers tick up and up and up, and it's really encouraging. And I'm glad that I'm able to get this message out there. I started a Facebook page for the podcast, so if Twitter's not your thing, you can now find us on Facebook, and it's The Sober Dad Podcast. And I don't know what it is about Facebook, but they really don't like the word sober or recovery. When I was putting tags on the podcast, it was not letting me do any of that. So it's under parenting and children because I'd have to apparently be a business of some kind, like a rehab or sober living in order to actually put those tags on. And that didn't feel honest to me. So I didn't put them on because I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a podcast. I'm not a treatment program. I mean, it'd be honoring for me if you used this podcast as part of your program but I'm not a program. I'm just one piece in what should be a whole bunch of things that you do to maintain your sobriety. Or if you're listening out of curiosity for somebody else, then share the show with them. Say, hey, I listened to this really awesome show with this host that sounds real cool and doesn't suck at podcasting at all. And send a, send them a, send them a link. But as always, please rate the show, share the show. Sharing is more important. And if you do need help or you think someone else might need help, there's some links in the show notes for, you know, AA, Smart Recovery, Al-Anon. I cannot stress the importance of Al-Anon. If you are a spouse or a family member of someone in addiction, there are resources available for you as well, and you can get support, and that is very important. It has helped my family so much. It has helped my wife a lot, and I intend on getting her on to talk about that a bit in the near future. So share the show, support the show, do what you want. Clip it up. Do whatever you uh, want to do to get the word out for me, please. And with that, I am John Skillman. And remember to raise your kids and not glasses. Wow! Oh, yeah? Oh.